Well, it's good to see each of you tonight. We're going to begin with a word of prayer here in just a moment, and uh, we will get started. We'll let the offering folks finish up what they're doing. Hope you had a good afternoon. Like I said, it's good to see you this evening. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we will begin. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for a time that we can reassemble tonight. Thank you for your word that we can look into. I pray and I trust that it will be a help to us. I pray that you'd speak to the hearts of those who need to be spoken to this evening. I pray that all of us would be challenged. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I know that many of you are familiar with the routine that I try to take on the nights that we have a dinner after the church service. I always uh, take a break from the study that we're in, look at a, a, just a different passage that I believe can be a help to us, and that is what we're doing tonight. So before we get into the message this evening, I want to share a quick story with you that took place a few weeks ago. It was a Saturday morning, and I was having breakfast with a church member, and because it was Saturday, it was a later breakfast that we had met for. So we went to Brahms at 10 o'clock. We ordered, we were eating, we were talking, just having fellowship, and about 1045, an older gentleman walked in and ordered. Now, because of where we were sitting, I could hear what he ordered. He ordered something off of the breakfast menu. I don't remember what it was specifically, but he ordered something off the breakfast menu. And so as soon as he did, the young lady behind the counter said, Sir, we're no longer serving breakfast. We've moved to our lunch menu. She was polite, she was professional, anything that you would expect from a Brahms employee, she was that. And you could tell the man did not like what the young lady had to say. You could tell that he thought it was silly that he was not able to order his meal from the breakfast menu so he mumbled some things under his breath and then turned around and walked away. Now, as I've thought on that a couple of times, I've thought of it from different angles and different perspectives just because I thought that whole interaction was kind of interesting. But one of the things I've thought in light of those events was this. I wonder why I didn't get there till 1045. Had he had a flat tire earlier that day? Had he gone out to start his car and it wouldn't start for whatever reason? Did he have a dead battery? Did he not get there until 1045 because he was just having a relaxing morning, taking his time, and eventually made his way to Brahms? Bottom line is, I don't know what made him get there at 1045. At the end of the day, I really don't care why he got there at 1045. I just know that's what happened. He got there at 1045. Now, obviously, from this man's perspective, he needed breakfast. He was hungry. He needed something to eat. But for whatever reason, he didn't make it 
So here's what happened. He missed out on the opportunity. He only missed it by a few minutes, but it doesn't change the fact he missed out on the opportunity to get what he needed or to get what he wanted. Now, as you think on that, that's the principle we're going to be working toward in the next couple of moments, the missed opportunity to get what is needed, that missed opportunity to get what might be wanted. And we're going to deal with that principle from a story that takes place in the book of John. So if you want to find your place tonight in the scripture, we'll be in John. And as we consider John's gospel, there's something that I want us to know that is recorded in all four gospels. If you're familiar with the scripture at all, this will not surprise you. But in each of the four gospels, we have a record or an account given of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So we know that at a time, an appointed time in the life of Christ, he was betrayed by Judas. He was led to the government officials. He was led in front of them and and a mock trial took place, a fake trial took place, and ultimately, Jesus was sentenced to death, and he would die on the cross for the sins of mankind. That comes as no surprise to you and I, because we're so familiar with the story. Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. Now, as I've mentioned before and even touched on it this morning, sometimes Bible truth becomes more academic to us than it is real to us. And so we lose sight of what it would have been like to be alive in their day and experiencing their events in real time and incapable of just flipping a few pages to find out what's going on and what's taking place. So I want to remind us of just a couple of things that when Jesus was led before the officials and when he was dealing with this mock trial that was taking place, when Jesus was beaten, it was a brutal, intense, and barbaric setting. There was nothing glamorous about this. There was nothing about this to make light of. No, when Jesus was being beaten, when Jesus was being tortured, this was brutal, this was intense, this is barbaric. It was something that our minds cannot imagine. No matter how hard Hollywood may try to depict this, there is no way that we can understand the intensity of those moments and those hours. When you think about Christ standing before the crowd and before the officials, you've got to remember that these people were crying out and they were were screaming maybe in a sense, crucify him, crucify him. And it wasn't just a couple of chants from a couple of weird people. No, this would have been a mob of of individuals. This would have been a, a crazy crowd that had been worked into a frenzy of sorts. And they're crying out, crucify him, crucify him. I don't think you and I can envision and really wrap our minds around what it would have been like to have been in an environment like that. You say, well, I've been in a hostile environment before. I promise you, you've not been in an an environment like this one. 
These people were only going to be happy when they had the blood of Jesus Christ, when they had taken his life. So imagine for a moment if you're one of his disciples. Imagine for a moment if you're one of the men who has traveled with him for the last three and a half years. You've been associated with him more closely and more intimately than anyone else has on the face of the earth. Think about how much animosity there could have been from the crowd toward the disciples. You have followed this man that we have just crucified. You have been a supporter of him. You have identified with him. So, so think about the animosity that could have been present from the crowd toward the disciples and just remembering and, and reminding ourselves that these men were common everyday men just like us. Try to imagine how fearful that had to have been. I know I'm not the world's toughest man. I get it. But I think to have been one man among 11 in that day, and being one of those 11 men among a crowd so great who hated your leader as much as they hated Jesus, I just don't think we can, again, comprehend the magnitude or the intensity of those moments. So when Jesus is crucified, we understand that he was buried, and we understand that he rose again on the third day. The scripture lets us know, and really all of history confirms this, that it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that separates our faith from all other faiths on this earth. We serve a risen Savior. Now that's wonderful and that's exciting and that's thrilling for us. But we weren't there 2,000 years ago when we were still or when they were still shaking in their boots from everything that's happened. These are normal men dealing with all the normal emotions, all the normal feelings, all the normal anxieties, everything that, that, that is just a normal part of life. And, and, and something when you've gone through something like that, as traumatic as that would have been, okay, Jesus has risen and, and he has presented himself to some folks and made it known that he's risen. But these men were still struggling. So it's in light of that that I want us to look in John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, we have the resurrection of Christ that has taken place. We know that Jesus has presented himself to a handful of folks, letting it be known that he had been risen from the dead, or that he had arisen from the dead. And it says in verse number 19, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Now I want us to notice a word here that's kind of important, and you'll understand why in just a moment. 
It's the word assembled. It's what it says, right? In John chapter 20, verse number 19, that evening, the same day as the resurrection taking place, later that evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, they had gotten together. It was out of fear of the Jews that they had come together. And as the disciples were assembled, it says, Jesus stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. What did Jesus bestow on them in that moment? Peace. A sense of calm. A sense of tranquility. An ease to the anxieties. A settling of the emotions. Would Jesus reprimand them for their lack of faith? Yes, he would. But at the same time, what we see in verse number 19 is this. Listen now. We see Jesus ministering to the disciples according to their need. They were afraid. They were fearful. Everything had shaken them. So here they are on the evening of the first day of the week after Christ had arose. And it says that as they are assembled, the Lord Jesus showed up and bestowed upon them peace. So it says in verse number 20, And when he had so said, or when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost." Whosesoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosesoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Now, we're not going to deal with all this, but I want us to see that, that Jesus met with them, and it says twice in this passage that he bestowed unto them this peace which they desperately needed. But of the 11 disciples who were still alive, we understand that uh, that. Uh, uh, Judas, sorry, we understand that Judas had betrayed Jesus and had later hung himself out of the guilt that he felt from his actions. Out of the 11 disciples that remained, here's what many of us know. As the disciples were assembled, Thomas was not present. Thomas, for whatever reason that night had not assembled with the disciples. Why wasn't Thomas there? I don't know. Why wasn't the man at Brahms there by 1030? I don't know. Frankly, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Thomas wasn't there. He wasn't there with the disciples. He wasn't there with his other brothers in Christ. He was not where they were at. And so as a result of him not being with the disciples assembled together, 
what did he experience? He experienced a lost opportunity. Are we hearing this? He missed out on the opportunity to hear Jesus speak peace unto him like Jesus spoke peace unto the ten other disciples. Now someone may say, well, apparently Thomas didn't need that. Apparently Thomas didn't need to hear those words to which I would say to you, are you crazy? Thomas desperately needed to hear the message of peace. Thomas desperately needed to have those words spoken to him like the other ten needed it spoken to them. But, but see, for whatever reason, valid or invalid by way of reason, Thomas was not there. So as a result of Thomas not being a part of the assembly, Thomas missed out on the opportunity to hear what he needed to hear from the mouth of God. So in verse number 25, it says, The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the prince, and the a prince of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. I go back to what I just said. You think Thomas didn't need to be there that night? He desperately needed to be in the assembly with the other believers. But he decided for whatever reason, now I'm not going to be there. He missed out on what he needed. He didn't know he was going to, but he did. So when the disciples tell them about the encounter... Thomas says, not until I touch the hands, not until I thrust my hand in the side will I believe it. So here's what someone may be able to say. Well, notice what it says in 26. In verse number 26, it says, And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the door being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Someone may read verse number 26 and say, It's no big deal. Thomas got what he needed. Well, hold on. He had to go eight days without getting what he needed. And Thomas had no reason to believe that he would ever get that chance again. It was only by the grace of God that Thomas was able to hear what he needed one more time. God was under no obligation to give to Thomas what he needed when Thomas missed the opportunity because he chose not to assemble when he could have. It was only by God's grace. Now this evening, if you're thinking along with me and paying attention, you might begin seeing where this is headed. 
as you work your way through the New Testament, there's this little command that's pesky in the minds of a lot of people who call themselves Christians that's recorded in Hebrews chapter 10, and it says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It's like the Bible is of this mindset. It's like the Bible is of this persuasion that God's people still need to be assembling and God's people still need to be getting together. And here's the cry from so many people these days. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, right. Nobody has ever said that a person does have to go to church in order to be a Christian. But what an honest person has to admit is this, is that the Scripture says God's people are supposed to assemble. So what that means is, is if the church is getting together, if the saints are getting together, then where do all the saints need to be? They need to be assembled. Well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You're right, you don't have to. Someone says, well, I do church online. I just do the, the video church, and, and that's how we do church these days. It's an option, I guess, that's available to folks, but it's not a biblical option. The biblical option is assemble. When the believers are getting together, assemble. Why is it so important that we make assembling a priority? For this reason, God might show up. Let's listen. God might show up. And in showing up, here is what God might do. Speak to us exactly what we need. When we come to church... He might give us exactly what we need. But if we're not here, guess what? We'll miss it. Well, I don't think it was a big deal that I didn't go to church Sunday night. That may have been exactly what you needed. I don't think it was a big deal that I wasn't at church Wednesday night may have been exactly what you needed. Well, I don't know that I need to go to Sunday school. I don't know that it's that big of a deal. It may have been exactly what you needed. But because you just didn't see the importance of it, you didn't assemble. So what happened? You missed out on the opportunity. 
You missed out on the opportunity to hear from God exactly what you needed. Now, unfortunately, here's the kind of the, the, the messed up mindset. Oh, that's okay. I'll just go again next week and God will give me what I need then. He's under no obligation to do such. He's not. He's already spoken, but if you decided to just lay out for whatever reason, he's not obligated to speak to us again. I think a lot of people who call themselves Christians don't understand how important the assembling of the believers is because they don't realize it's in those moments that God shows up and gives us what we need. I'm encouraging every one of us tonight who call ourselves Christians. Don't just lay out of church. Are we hearing this? Don't just lay out of church. Man, I'm tired. Man, I don't know. I don't want to get out again. Boy, it's been a busy week. I'll just do Facebook. I'll just catch up later. No, you can never replace what's done and what's accomplished in the assembling of the saints together. Don't allow yourself to miss that opportunity that may be a very special, unique opportunity in that moment. Because you're not guaranteed another opportunity like that one. As God's people, there really ought to be this sense of determination that unless I'm sick, unless I am just providentially hindered from being in the house of God, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at the house of God. And I'm not going to let this little excuse keep me out. And I'm not going to let this little excuse keep me out. And I'm not going to let this one keep me out. No, unless I'm sick, unless there is just providential hindrance that keeps me from being there, I'm going to be there. Why? Because God might show up. And that whole service, that whole assembly may be for me. But if I don't have the discipline to get there, I could miss out and never get what I need. Don't make light of assembling because it really could change your life. It's that important. Don't allow yourself to justify it and don't let anyone help you justify it. Determine to be faithful, to assemble when the assemblies take place so that you don't miss that chance to hear from God what you need. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. Lord, it's a good challenge for every one of us. Every one of us need to be reminded of the importance of assembling, of getting together with brothers and sisters in Christ, because that's where you meet us. 
Lord, help us to not miss the opportunity, but to just be faithful, to just be determined to make this a priority in our lives. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.